Bill was suddenly just there, like he's always been there. He's he's, he's like uh, always well. He's like well, Bill and Dave, uh, Bill and Andy are both like uh, what's his name? Uh, who's who's the magician? All of a sudden, I'm drawing a blank. Oh oh, <laughs> Doug Henning. Doug Henning. Doug yeah, Hanning. I can't believe I blanked on it. Yeah, you you're the one who makes <laughs> me think of that. David Copperfield. No, Doug Henning. Imagination. <laughs> I saw I saw Doug Henning on Broadway when I was like ten years old. Do his magic show. Yes, I'm that old. <laughs> Is Doug Henning still alive? No, no, he passed. Aww. Passed shortly after the show, mm-hmm. like thirty years. Two D, the flat. Frontier. These are the voyages of the Pancake Enterprise, its rotoscoped mission, to repeat the same animation and music, to transcend the limitations of 70s animation, to go bowling where no cartoon has gone before. Toon Trek, based upon Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry. Starring Paul Spataro. Also starring Dave Pascarella, with Bill Robinson and Andrew Leyland as Andy. Production assistants J. David Wheater. Hello, everybody. Welcome. I'm J. David Wheater, occasional special guest star and producer of the show. I'm popping in today to talk about the magics of Megas 2. But with me is your usual cohorts, Mr. Andrew Leyland. Hello, everybody. Dr. Bill Robinson. The magics of Megas... I watched the tactics of Tagus Moo, some space bovine black ops team. What did you guys watch? (laughs) Well, my Netflix automatically played Practical Joker, and I'm like, pretty sure this isn't the next episode. Nope. And of course, David Pascarella. Hello, I watched The Magic of Doug Henning many moons ago. And of course, last but not least, Mr. Paul Spataro. And when I'm on with you, I am the pretend producer. You're a figurehead, Paul. He's, he's totally least. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, you're the line producer. You're the one that's on the on the ground floor making sure everything runs smoothly. He's a I'm line the, dancer. I'm, I'm the executive <laughs> producer. <laughs> And and when you say I'm totally the least, I don't think my scale agrees with you. I said you're not the least. You're not the least. <laughs> no, Andy said I was totally the least. Oh, okay. <laughs> Paul's out there doing the electric slide. Boogie, woogie, boogie. Oh, yeah. I would pay to see it. I would I, pay to see it. I walk around the house doing that. <laughs> Must be hard to get anywhere. <laughs> I do that and I moonwalk. There you go. Glide. Naked. Oh, that was a do we have any Star Trek news this time around? No, but I watched Tron last week, and it's really good. I enjoyed it. The original Tron, have you had you never seen it? I I think I saw it on television, so I'd never seen it in glorious widescreen, and I watched it on Disney Plus. Yeah. And it's really good. I did not know that Captain Sheridan and Londo Malari were in it. Oh yeah. I mean I knew Captain Sheridan was in it, obviously. I didn't realise Londo was in there. Oh, good call. Yeah. David Warner's in there too, so yep. he was on uh, Babylon There's Five as well. Connection. It's it's really good in widescreen. I'm probably not saying anything people don't already know. <laughs> well, that's pretty <laughs> typical for the news for section. It's forty years ago. I think that 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 knowledge is still a little bit of a cult of cult information. Mm-hmm. I, I think that particular movie, for reasons I'm not certain, was panned when it was new uh and and i think a you know a core group tended to like it immediately and those people still like it but other people are just kind of like in uh just you know unaware of it i think that mm. it's just it's it's faded into obscurity in their minds and there was enough of a uh of a following to uh to create the sequel that eventually came yeah, I'm going to watch that next. I think it was that I'd never seen it in widescreen before. And I'm watching it and I'm thinking, yeah, it really did. I'm watching Which, it. to connect that to Star Trek, I think <laughs> that's... I've, I've said many, many times that that's always been the problem with Star Trek 
the motion picture. Yeah, the people, I'd love people to see watched it on small screens yeah. mm-hmm. and 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 lost the majesty of it. And and you know what? I saw it on the big screen. They had the 40th anniversary, and I saw it not last year, but the 2019, and totally got it. I got why they lingered on certain shots because it is intended fully to be on the big screen. Mm. It's it, the motion picture. Yeah, it makes a difference. Yeah, I'd love to see Star Trek the motion picture on the big screen because I never have. But all the celebrations are always, you know, Star Trek 2 or Star Trek 4, which I get. Yeah. I understand that. But I want to see the motion picture on the big screen. It, it's, it was glorious. And hey, speaking of small screen, I got a nice cheap copy. It was on sale of Lower Deck Season 1. And my wife and I have been actually enjoying it. Really? I told you, as you get into it, it's it's a you know if you keep an open mind, it's it's. I have a, I have an open, a I have a mind that is so open, it's like a backdoor gate that your dog runs out of. <laughs> what I'm saying is, did it really get better, or did you just accept it for the banality and mundanity that it was? I I, I found it amusing as it yeah. went on. Okay, it some deep cuts. It, it it clearly reveres Star Trek because I was watching one of the extras, and the creator was like. We want to make something funny, but it still needs to be Star Trek. And I think they hold to that for the most part. I I just hope they tone down... What was the lead character's name? Boimler? Or Mary? No, Bo- I didn't mind Boimler. I thought Boimler was all right. It was the, the, the captain's daughter. Mariner. Mariner. Just, yeah. Just, that was, just um, they do. You know. Good. Yeah. Well, I watched all the, the first ten. And I, I got to the last one, and I thought... Oh. Did you watch The Next Generation? Because this doesn't remind me of the Riker and Troy I watch, but okay, whatever. I, Dick. You know, to each their own. Well played. Other than that, it's kind of been a slow couple of weeks, to be honest with you, in terms of Star Trek. Well, everything's just plodding along, isn't it? The, yeah. fi- the film in Picard Season 2, the film in Strange New Worlds, the fil- they've wrapped filming on Discovery Season 4. I don't know where they're up to with Lower Deck Season 2. Maybe you guys know that better than I do. And the new one that's got Janeway in has been announced as starting soon, so they must have finished that one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at the moment, you know, with COVID and everything and the limited filming, you don't really know where everyone's up to because it's taken them much longer than it would normally. So Thanks, COVID. Yeah, fuck you. But... On that note, let's dive into The Magics of Megas 2. I'm going with a synopsis from Wikipedia, as per the huge. This was... <laughs> season one. Sense, as per the huge. <laughs> yep. Season 1, Episode 8, directed by, surprise, surprise, Hal Sutherland. Written by Larry Brody. Ooh, he, he wrote an episode of Voyager. Okay, I see I went to Jaws all of a sudden. We're gonna, oh, right. we're gonna need a bigger <laughs> ship. I'm just gonna look at my very tiny scar. <laughs> While exploring the center of the galaxy, the Federation starship USS Enterprise is caught inside an energy-matter vortex, and its computer systems fail. A being named Lucian appears on the bridge, repairs the ship's systems, and takes the crew to explore his planet, Megas 2. I thought Bill would have a Megas move moment there. Oh. There we go. On which differing physical laws allow the existence of magic and witchcraft. Lovely for a children's cartoon. Suddenly, fearful of the approach of other Megans, Lucian teleports the crew back to the Enterprise to prevent their being discovered. Aren't we all afraid of other Megans? Most of the time, oh. yeah. Mm-hmm. While waiting, the Enterprise crew experiment with using magic. Yes, that sentence just came out of my mouth. Lucian... <laughs> oh, wait, no, wrong Xanadu song. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bow before Olivia newton John. She didn't kill her boyfriend. Lucian warns the crew that they are experiments. <laughs> it Lucian... doesn't matter. <laughs> wow. It, you, can't, you can't affect Bill's love of her that way. No. I should have known that was going to throw that off. Lucian warns the crew that their experiments will draw unwanted attention, but it is too late. The Enterprise crew are transported to what appears to be Salem during a witch trial in 1691. The Megans are an ageless species that at one time lived on Earth. Contrary to modern assumption, those executed during the witch trials were all real witches, which was how the Megans were driven from Earth. Wow, I just realized they're called Megans, like Megan Markle? Exactly. <laughs> That's plenty of yep. Megans. The Megan Markles put humanity and Enterprise on trial. Oh, pardon oh, me. The Megan Markles put humanity and the Enterprise crew on trial for what humans did to their people. Captain Kirk testifies that humanity has progressed since 1691. 
On examining their ship's records, the Megans conclude that the Enterprise coming to Megas II was a freak accident, and they need not fear human incursion. Was that in question? However, Lucian is condemned to eternal isolation for bringing humans to the Megans' world. He had COVID. Yep. <laughs> He's got to go quarantine. Kirk argues that this is unreasonably cruel punishment in the case of Lucian, who alone among Megans sought out humans for companionship, like Prince Harry. <laughs> I can't take it. Seriously, now you've called it Planet of the Megans? Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's Megan Fox. There's the, Megan Bohella. <laughs> the Megan Foxes claim Lucian is Lucifer, but Kirk only scoffs at this, as he does I not believe that the, planet. <laughs> as he does not believe the hidden the historic... Horse, wow, that's a word. Histor- what? Historicity Hist- of Christian historicity. traditions. I pulled a bill. I thought that was like a uh, like an operation a woman had. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's a hysterectomy. Yeah. Sorry. He doesn't believe in that history and emerges engages the Megans in a magical battle to determine Lucian's fate. Yes, that came out of my mouth too. The Megan Mullallies re- then revealed their threat to punish Lucian was only to test to determine if humanity had truly changed. On the basis of Kirk's compassion, they would welcome future human visits to their planet. They return the Enterprise to its native universe. Oof. Guys, did I take the brown LSD when watching this episode? I just want to make sure. <laughs> I, I don't know what LSD you took, but I was right there with you, man. Yeah. Um, it's it's where no man has gone before. Meet two mourns for Adonis, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's and it's you also have a little uh, an element of arena in there. Mm-hmm. You got and, it. Like, and, uh, and the then Star Trek Star Trek going to the Yeah, Star-Trek. yeah. It was it was very cyborg, wasn't it? Because I watched Star Trek Five just last week, coincidentally, because uh, I posted on pain. Back to the Bins the Logan's Run stuff. The background of how Bennett is Logan's rule. <laughs> that amused me no end. Well, apparently this well, has yeah. to, this has to do with a, a, an idea Gene Roddenberry ha- had for the next movie, which was in at least in his brain happening at that point, called the God, God thing. He was always doing the search for God, wasn't he? Well, here. Oh yeah, that was he was he was hung up on that. See, that if this was sounds a little bit familiar. Do. So God thing, the, the, the concept, at least per William Shatner, who apparently wandered into Gene Roddenberry's office and got a breakdown, the concept was there's a being heading towards Earth that claims to be God. Kirk has to reassemble the crew. McCoy's a veterinarian. Scotty's an alcoholic. They get aboard the Enterprise and they confront this thing, who appears as multiple religious figures, including Jesus, and then is found to be a being from another dimension. They have been taking that idea apart here. Star Trek V, mm-hmm. they did it mm-hmm. on Next Gen. Yeah, um, the and, and it, yeah, they they totally milked that idea. Yeah, I I think the teat is dry and they should stop milking it now. Yeah, <laughs> they've they've made the point. Yeah, I mean to be fair, this was nineteen seventy what seventy three seventy three. Yep. Yeah, he hadn't so, quite milked it yet. Yeah, he hadn't quite got that yet. I mean, the 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 central premise of this episode is bobbins, right? There's a center of the galaxy. Because the galaxy's Big Bang will have created it, so because wherever the bang was, that must be the centre of the universe. And I'm scratching my head at this going, is that even remotely plausible? But then I remembered that Star Trek has a barrier around the mm-hmm. galaxy. No, the barrier so, is okay. real. The barrier is real. There's there's actually, it's kind of like the Oort shot at the end of our solar system. It's just, as stuff expands, Yeah. you hit a point where all that debris is kind of caught in the wake. So, that, so that's got a genuine scientific right. So yeah. is there a is there a plausible scientific explanation for the center of the galaxy? Because none of Spock's dialogue made a lick of sense to me. I, no, I'm not a scientist, but you play one on a yeah. podcast. We also yeah. know one. Yeah. So uh, uh, just every one of his explanations for what this was just struck me as really dopey. Whereas I bought the center of the universe. I bought the, the galactic barrier thing. Um, I didn't really buy the center of the galaxy. And I certainly didn't buy that by the end of the episode, everyone's got magic powers. <laughs> and Captain Kirk is a literal god, which must have pleased William Shatner no end. Did you guys and Sulu conjured the... a woman. Oh, yeah. What? Oh. Did you guys woman. ever read Spock Must Die? The novel. I, I have not. I recently found a PDF copy of that on archive.org, so I'm I'm gonna dive into it. I won't but spoil I it. Never there, read it. But the the climax is not similar in tone, but in terms of scale, as far as how that right. that book comes to a, a head. Okay. Did James Blish actually see the show before he wrote that book? I 
think so. <laughs> right, because I know the first couple of novelizations, he hadn't seen the show. No. Because <laughs> he didn't start erring here until 69, so there was no way he could have seen it. Well, it's kind of like the Gold Key comics. People hadn't seen the show, but they're drawing the book. Yeah. But I think that actually came off more charming than Goofy, although definitely yeah. Goofy. There's a lot of good in this one. Who was the voice of Lucian? Ooh. I was a guy from uh, UFO. Uh, no, no, no. The, the guy from UFO was the other guy. And that was, oh, was no. That was, that, Bishop. that was actually James, played by James Dewan. Was it? Because honestly, that is the first time I've he heard James Dewan's voice later on. on this. And and usually usually his, his voice characterizations are, Well, Captain, I don't know. <laughs> so this this one sounded like uh, Cyrano Jones. I, I Fred Kirk? Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I thought. But obviously the credits every week are exactly the same. And I only watched it this morning and I've not done a deep dive into the research. But I could have sworn this was Stanley Adams. So what I don't know, they did bring back Stanley Adams for Cyrano Jones, didn't they? Uh-huh. So I thought it was entirely plausible he could have recorded these two episodes back to back, but yeah, this, okay. this was Ed Ed Bishop from UFO. Yeah, it was lovelier in Ed Bishop. Do you know the story behind that? Why he's here? No. Okay. So after UFO, Ed Bishop had been what he called in his own words rent a yank. He lived over in the UK, and whenever they needed an American in a British television show, they would go to him, Bruce Bower, who was also in The Empire Strikes Back. And there's another guy as well who you'd recognise, but his name's temporarily escaping me. So, oh, Shane Rimmer. Shane Rimmer, who's in Star Wars and did the voice of Thunderbirds and everything. Oh, yeah, one of those Wars, was Admiral Riken. Yeah, one of those three guys would be any American in a British television show, whether it was the president or uh, an army general or just a tourist. It would be one of those three guys. But after UFO, Ed Bishop found that suddenly he wasn't being offered these little roles that were his bread and butter. So he went back to the U.S. and he got this role in The Magics of Vegas 2. But he found that in the U.S. he was just another out-of-work American actor. And the two are penny because he's in America. So he came back to the U.K. to carry on his career as Renter Yank. And he's in loads of stuff. But he got offered a part in another episode of Star Trek and couldn't do it because he'd left the country. But it was lovely hearing his voice. And it also provided me a six degrees of separation for some of us, so that was fun. So Ed Bishop was, he was Asmodeus. Yeah. And he was Ed Straker in UFO and Captain White in Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons, if you've ever seen those two shows. And if you haven't, You're why not? You're not American. What, UFO? I've been watching UFO. Well, because you're a man of taste, obviously. <laughs> I've yet to see it available. Did you say it was on archive? It's, it's on Prime. Yes, it's on, archi- it's, it's on Prime and it's on archive.org, Aussie Space1999. Well, once I finish V the series, there's my next target. V the series is awful. Stay on target. That doesn't mean it's not fun to watch. No, no, that's very true. And it's got Jane Badler and Fairgrounds in it, which, you know, if nothing else, is entertaining. Well, we're so far off course that this episode oh, is yeah, speaking sorry. to him. <laughs> so, the, the, honestly, the only voice that took me out of this one was Sulu being the voice of the cloud. George Takai's got a very limited range. Mm-hmm. He's got a great voice, but it's very specific. Yeah, because originally I thought, so as the being took over Sulu, that but then sense. I got, no, it's, it's supposed to be a different voice, and it, it wasn't because it was George Takai. So how do you guys think parents reacted to this on Saturday mornings? Look, kids, it's Satan. <laughs> look, look, kids, Captain Kirk has just defended the right of the devil to exist. <laughs> I could see this going over like a lead balloon in certain areas. Yeah, I mean, that was why the the God thing never got made. They're like, the Christian right will destroy us because, you know, they're saying that every religion is something from another dimension, which, I mean, there's something to that. If you're looking at a higher being, and I do, then that's other dimensional. That doesn't exist on our plane, but... So, as as a religious person, did I liked what Shatner did with it. I liked that God is what you think is here. He's in the human heart. Mm-hmm. I thought that was quite a, a neat way around it. Yeah. Somebody said that, you know, Shatner took God seriously, where, mm. you know, Gene Roddenberry was a devout atheist, and he wanted to display atheist themes, which is 100% his right. Mm. I think if it's something See, like I- this, if you're offended by something like this... I had to pop, I had to pull the DVD, Blu-rays off the shelf, put it in the player, and sit down and watch it. Here's a clue. Just don't watch it. 
If it offends, yeah, I, well, I, you know, I, I always say that about uh, offensive things. You know, I think if you're if you're strong enough in your convictions, you might want to explain to somebody why you think they're wrong. But I don't think you necessarily should be offended by the fact that you think they're wrong. No. You know what I mean? If, if you think if somebody's an atheist, obviously they have an absolute right to be an atheist. And if you're mm-hmm. not an atheist, you have an absolute right to not be an atheist. And if you think you're wrong, I think you could. If you think they're wrong, you can engage, and, and you're strong enough in your convictions, you can engage them in a healthy, respectful debate over it. But there's See, no reason to be offended because somebody thinks no. differently than you. No, and I, I just don't understand why, that's, that. That's that's why I just specifically asked Dave that question because I'm not at all religious, but I don't think you're wrong. I don't I don't believe that there's a wrong or a right there. It's no. personally what your belief is. I have I certainly have never attacked anyone for their religion because it's their personal belief, and I don't think well, I attack a right people because I can. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's that's just you, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> Whereas I I thought the religious aspect of this and indeed Star Trek Five, when I watched it again last week, were actually quite sensitively handled, mm-hmm. and it certainly wasn't as dismissive as of religion as the Next Generation could frequently be, when Roddenberry was in charge. So I I don't know whether Roddenberry held himself in a bit because obviously there's there's that episode of the original show. Um, they weren't worshipping the sun. They were worshipping oh, the sun, the son of God. And so so he let that go through. Well, I was reading a book on it, and, and as for as humanist and atheist as he is, he he kind of wasn't as dismissive as he would think. He's, he's had quotes taken out of context mm-hmm. that he was stating, you know, if you want to believe it, fine. I don't like the, uh, at best paraphrasing, I don't like the schemers. So you've got your major people out there like, oh, here's a great one, Jim Baker. <coughs> yeah. Who is proven to be a fraud and yet somehow is still, you know, doing the same thing now that he was then. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, he got found guilty of major tax fraud and and, and uh, other things. And he's still doing a show out of Branson, Missouri. Those, those are what Roddenberry was condemning and and you know rightfully so i think mm-hmm. See, how, I many, religion, go on. How, how many of the more sympathetic towards religion things out of star trek came out because roddenberry allowed them or because you know the studio said oh no 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 you, you can't say that like i remember hearing the one with apollo where kirk says uh we f- is it is it that one where Kirk says we find the one enough? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that was the studio says nah, this line's got to be in there. Well, some right. of it is yeah self protection. Some of it is, I mean, the God thing never got made because the head of the studio, the movie studio, was a devout Catholic. They're like no negative. That's one of the big reasons. But there are different ways to express it. I think here, it was a. The core of it was a good way to express it. I think if it had been a normal Star Trek episode with a little bit more meat to work with, I think it could have fleshed that out. See, I think, you know, let's... I want to pull back just a little bit, and let's take this on for face value here for a moment. So you're you're Kirk, (laughs) and they say to you, oh, that's the devil, so we're going to get rid of him. Do you defend him as quickly? I mean, I know we're dealing with a 22-minute cartoon, but do you just say, automatically go to, no, he has a right to live, blah, 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 blah? Or do you have to, like, contemplate that for a couple of minutes? If I'm Kirk, no. I would totally defend him. That's a sentient being. Okay. That was just, like, the only thing about it was, like, I almost felt like it should have gone into a little mental debate. You know, maybe, like, there should have been a little conversation between Kirk and Spock or something where they should have decided, no, this being has a right to live, uh... Or, or to live without being tortured, because they weren't actually killing him. They were just mm-hmm. going to uh, isolate him. Uh, but, it, but it feels like there should have been just some dialogue there to justify his position before he argued it. Well, yeah, you, know, you think in, in the live-action show, there would have been a conversation between Kirk, Spock, and Mackay, wouldn't there? And Mackay would have been all, Damn it, Jim! You know you're talking about the literal embodiment of the devil! And Kirk would have been all, No, Bones, but we're talking about a life form. And that's how he would have justified it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that would have. 
I think that would have made more sense to me. That would have played more fairly. Because I, uh, I, I think I, I fe- it felt like he just came to the conclusion too, too quickly. I think it would have made more sense if he didn't literally look like the devil, if he just looked like, well, the guy that plays Lucifer on the TV show. Yeah, because on Netflix it, it right certainly now. how he looked telegraphed the end. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, you could have played him as Pan. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, okay, but he's got horns. And he's got uh, muscles. Who doesn't? Oh, yeah, well, yeah. But also, you've got to remember as well, the audience for this is significantly different from the audience of the, the live-action show. So does, it's not going to be as subtle as the, the live-action show. And I'm well aware that the live-action show has let that be all this battlefield in it. But <laughs> you know what I mean. Actually, that, that's a good point, Andy, because I think at least if there's a, a moral lesson to be learned from this, and typically Star Trek does have that, good Star Trek does, that's don't judge stuff on face value and that's kind of i think there's value to that i will ultimately as you'll see when we do the ratings though i, I mean for all the, that we can we can rip the piss out of this one quite easily if we chose to do and i i like that we've we've gone down a different road than that mm-hmm. but the end of it the episode is very idic it is very infinite diversity it is very tolerance and understand that it is preaching all those values in this show without banging you over the head with it yeah. and turning to the camera and saying we should tolerate everybody it's doing it in a very clever way for a 1973 animated show I was ultimately I came away quite impressed with how it handled the religious aspects of the story which could have been far more insulting than they were and the ultimate message of the show and I felt that made the episode stronger than it's the sum of its parts, some of which are incredibly stupid, like Kirk throwing lightning bolts from the hands <laughs> at the end. Yeah. Or Spock being the one. Ex- yeah. 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 <laughs> but Dave, what did you think? Me, Dave, uh, the Dave. Yes, Dave. you, Dave. You, you've been quite quiet. So, you know. um, there was, I found a lot of mining of past episodes in this, and a lot of things that would be mined out of this in the future and just to rattle off a few the whole expedition to the center of the galaxy smacked of uh, where no man has gone before as well as by any other name where they're going to go to the outer edge of the galaxy of course uh, Star Trek 5 going to the center I really like the images of the Enterprise they used when they cross the barrier yeah, the background really like great. Yeah, right out of the TV show almost. Um, let's see. I like when they arrive. Lucifer gives them an apple, mm-hmm. kind yeah. of symbol- symbolic. Spock drawing the pentagram. Um, when they're gonna try and use the magic, and Spock says, "You know, you have to believe that you can do this." Spectre of the gun. Yeah, they had to believe. I, I, again, yeah, I had exactly the same thought there. I thought in with forty-eight minutes to play with, Spot would probably have done a similar thing. If you remember on the the Ioceans planet, you remember I did this. Come here, and he'll mind meld with him and make him believe that he can do this. But you know, he's Kirk. He's will strong enough, I guess. Uh, the fact that Lucian's planet kind of looked like hell. Uh, and do you get a vibe that this is where they mine the whole concept of uh, putting humanity on trial by Q? Very possible. Yeah. Yep. I had not put that one together, but that's yeah, that's another good call. And uh, let's see, humans are always seeking knowledge, the, the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. and. There's a line that Kirk that's used in this when uh, I guess it was the trial was going on, and Kirk says something to the effect, "Well, well, you had our records," and as Modal says, "Well, you you could have faked your records." I kind of remember this line coming from the Next Generation as well, and, and I think it's the episode Last Outpost where they come across Portal and he, them and the Ferengi, I'm pretty mm. sure they oh, use yeah. that concept as well. Well, well, you know, you could have faked your records. We don't know if we could trust that. So uh, I found it overall a very 
interesting episode. And I understand why the devil needs a spaceship. <laughs> Excuse me. What does God need with a spaceship? Oh, never change, Shatner. Never change. Yeah, I, I, I think there was a lot more to this one. And I, I originally I thought we were going to rip it to pieces because of its weak points. But I'm actually quite glad we went the other way. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue a little bit that I don't think there really are that many weak points when you put it in perspective of being a an animated cartoon that has to somewhat cater to a younger audience, even though clearly, uh, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, they were pulling in probably more of a college-level audience anyway. But I, I think, you know, with, with censors being what they were at the time and just, you know, with the Saturday morning viewing crowd being what it is, I, I think this one did as good a job as it could, really. I, I, I don't think there were that many weak points to speak of. Uh, Animation-wise, which you always have to consider is going to be a weak point with this show, mm-hmm. Lucian's body moved in weird places. His muscles did not move naturally, which, I mean, again, it's filmation. Yeah. See, that wasn't my issue with this one. I could buy that because obviously it's just one cell overlaid on another one. Mm-hmm. My problem with it was they would reuse frames from other episodes, which again, we're used to. This isn't a criticism. But what they would do was they overlaid other characters onto those cells. So it looked like they were basically sitting in each other's lap or they were standing on top of each other. Because they were just overlaying one piece of art on top of another one, there was no perspective. So there's a shot, for instance, where Kirk's leaning on the arm of his of his command chair, where he looks like the chair is bigger than he is, because the perspective's wrong. And then there's another shot where the three of there are three characters, Zur and two others, watching the view screen. And it is a shot from another episode, and they've overlaid one of the characters in the middle. So and you can tell that they shouldn't be there. And that that was my issue with the animation this time around, really, because I think I think we've got past just laughing at the animation because it is limited we know that it's limited but for the most part it's only when they do obvious things like that that bugged me when they've they've dropped somebody into a cell that already exists and it doesn't work properly yeah i'm I'm at the point now where i ignore the limitations of the of the animation just because i feel like this show would be way too repetitive and i think and i was gonna say we but when i say we i mean me uh have already been too repetitive on the james doohan voice characterizations uh (laughs) yeah but i I quite like your your jimmy doohan impression it's quite funny so but but you know i i I think it, it would just be like you know okay yeah there's there's limitations based on you know the time and the style and the you know the the budget of the animation at the time, and 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 you know I think the answer to that is well no shit. <laughs> so <laughs> I I don't I didn't want to really hang on to that too much more. I want to try and you know move on from that and get more to the concepts that they're going with instead of just doing that. But you know I I definitely get what you're saying about the limitations. They are clearly there. Mm. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, I, I think I think what you're pointing to, and I'm, I'm sorry to. to to, to step on you here, but uh, I, I think what you're pointing to there is less the limitations and more the sloppiness of the of, the, of how they put it together. And yeah, that, that like I do think awesome I think that does deserve some critiquing, and I, I think you're you're justified in that. I like as Dave's pointed out, some of the backgrounds in this are brilliant. The the reds and the oranges when they first beam down to the planet, and they're all slightly incorporeal and slightly weird. All of that stuff's great, and I sometimes don't think Star Trek leans into the surreal enough. All the stuff where it it voyages through the gate and then lands on the planet, all that stuff's brilliant. And it's hard to imagine how 1960s television technology could have pulled that off. So they do a good job with all of that stuff. It's just in the the more mundane that it kind of loses it. Yeah, I think it's exactly what Paul just said. I think they get sloppy mm-hmm. on the stuff on the bridge. There's a feeling that we've got all this animation. We don't need to create any new stuff for that. We'll just reuse old footage. And it's it's akin to the third season of the show, where there wasn't somebody at the till who was who was as steadfast in his attention to detail as Roddenberry was. So you'll get sloppy stock shots in the middle of other shots that you didn't get in the first two seasons. And I think that's I think that I think Paul's right. I think it is just sloppy because when they they can do it, like 
Dave said with the backgrounds and the 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 the, the version of the planet, all that stuff's really good. I I would say if if I'm going to critique the uh, you know the, the animation and all, uh, my biggest criticism would be that with like some characters that they've come up with like you know that they could have been just a little bit more creative on on where they went i think i think their mindset not so much in this episode but in in some that we've seen uh i think the last episode in particular is oh we can do aliens that we couldn't really do with uh you know with with conventional makeup and budget that we have so let's let's do something really weird and I think they focus too much on weird and not enough on, you know, let's make it look really good. <laughs> so I think, you know, that's that's where maybe they failed slightly. Hmm. See, I prefer it when they get a bit weird. <laughs> like, well, no, I, I like it. I don't mind weird, but I want weird and clever together. I, I, I don't want I don't want weird and lazy. Oh, I'm just going to add a couple extra tentacles here. You know, that doesn't do anything for me. Hmm. Are you sure? Yeah, the hentai is built off of that, Paul. <laughs> Yeah, but that's a completely different audience from what the oh, show was aimed at. <laughs> They're just planting oh, seeds. That was not meant to be a pun, now that I think about it. Anyway. Mm-hmm. No, I, I like that you pointed out, Andy, that they're incorporeal at one point. And they, they express that very well, because Lucian's like, well, we don't really have the same form you do, so I'm making it something palatable for you. That we are in a different dimension that is completely... I want to say completely different, that's so mundane, but completely something we don't understand and can't. Which is what would become Q down the road. A concept that's outside of what we know as tangible reality. Yeah, and I sometimes think Star Trek doesn't do enough of the kind of stuff, the comprehension of things beyond our understanding. Mm-hmm. Space 1999 did that a lot, although that didn't last as long, so maybe Star Trek was right <laughs> not to do it. What do I know? You know, did you ever think that Kirk has sympathy towards uh, Satan because he played the role of Satan in the Apple? Yeah. Possible. Would you say he has sympathy for the devil? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm glad I got that groan. Cue, cue the music. <laughs> Pleased to meet you. I don't know why I gave it a country twang, but... <laughs> <laughs> Pleased to meet you. Hope oh, you guessed my name. <laughs> we went walking, going country. You're all welcome. You're walking. Oh. I'm walking here. You can turn into Fats Domino now. <laughs> yes, indeed. I'm talking. Walking. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I feel like we're getting off course again. Is this something where we want to go ahead really? and Really? You think? <laughs> You have listened to this show, right? Yeah. The course is not set. <laughs> Thanks, John Connor. So I'll, I'll, I'll oh, go yeah. first. Um, I think... Ooh, this was a tough one. It's just a little bit below average because I think it was hampered by the runtime. So I'm going to give it a two. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out next because I'm going to totally disagree with you and I'm going to say I think this was fairly well done I think it was fairly uh, you know it, it made you think a little bit which I love about Star Trek episodes and I don't think I always get that with the uh, you know with, with the animated show as much I don't think I think they are hampered by the timeline time frame and, and can't necessarily give you that same uh, extent of thoughtfulness and I think this one kind of accomplished it more so than they usually do and I'm, I'm going to actually bump it up very high and I'm going to give it a 3.5 Ooh, I was hoping that 5 wasn't coming out <laughs> I'll give it a 2.5 to even it out for you, there you go. Um, no you're so I, closer to him yeah that's <laughs> true I, I thought there was enough meat here and it is a good example of Star Trek's um, preaching of understanding and tolerance to all life forms and people no matter what they may look like or be um, that that outweighed some of the goofier aspects of it um, but it's still not a classic because as Dave has pointed out uh, it is just a mishmash of other arguably better episodes and they would mine a lot of this for better 
episodes in the future but the the, the core premise is a solid one and again idic is again expressed extremely well so i'm going to go solid two and a half i refer my colleague sir andrew's argument and give it a two Hmm. Well, I will give it three Ren Festival fake festival <laughs> horns out of five, friend. I found it to be an exceptionally better than average episode. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it. Uh, yes, there's things that will be mined out of it. Out of it, it's come from other things, but I can't really, you know, can't fault it for what'll be mined out of it later because it, you know, it was an idea. Yes, it didn't know that, did it? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'll drop it right at a three. Okay, so that's what we think. What does Blaine say? I don't, I don't sing anymore. We've done that one before, haven't we? It's a classic, though. That's fine. Incoming transmission. Hi, guys. I'm going to open with things that podcast hosts know, but which the podcast audience doesn't, to both apologize for not getting these recordings in soon enough for the guys to respond, and to explain why that's happening. My life has gotten extremely busy lately, but all in good ways. While the reasons are private at the time of this recording, they will be public by the time this podcast airs. I've been teaching for 20 years in one capacity or another, mostly as a tutor, and it's only my second year teaching in the traditional classroom. I teach in a small private school. I love it here, but that does mean each class is offered exactly once, so I'm doing four completely different lesson plans every day, with some extra documentation for the certification process, because this is the year where it's determined whether or not I'm going to be permanently certified. And as of very recently, I am. But because I'm teaching it during a pandemic, I had to completely change the way I teach everything. And my local government has allowed each family to choose whether they attend school in person or online. So I'm ending up teaching both of those groups simultaneously as I'm teaching high school math and physics. I'm also taking some graduate school courses because my principal tells me he has a plan for me, which still requires approval of the school board, and I should have all the paperwork in place to be a vice or assistant principal in time for the new school year this August. Saving the best for last, my wife just entered the third trimester of her pregnancy with our first child, so there's a lot of preparing for the baby as well. Long story short, I hope to get most of these in before the hosts record, but if that isn't possible, I hope everyone will understand that it has nothing to do with our hosts or my interest levels, but rather the way I have prioritized my life. Anyway, on to the magics of Megas 2, in which they attempt to tackle religion head-on. While primetime network television is known for micromanagement, daytime television is known for giving its creators a much more free hand with content. Larry Brody pitched an idea where the crew met God face-to-face, -face, which Gene Roddenberry had wanted to do in the live-action run, and they decided to see if they could get away with it on Saturday mornings. They couldn't, but they could get closer. The crew wasn't allowed to meet God, but they were allowed to meet the devil, so here we are, even if they had to add dialogue at the end to create ambiguity of interpretation. They also tackle religious fundamentalism with a recreation of the Salem Witch Trials, but that whole thing may just be a test to see if the crew had matured, which they passed, naturally. The opening narration always sticks with me, though. The Big Bang was not an explosion in the conventional sense, and it created the universe, not just the galaxy. The center of our galaxy is believed to be a supermassive black hole, but we can't fault an episode that first aired on October 27, 1973, for failing to reflect a scientific theory first hypothesized in academic journals in a February 13, 1974 publication. Still, there is a misunderstanding between galaxy and universe here. Even beyond that, we've been creating new matter on Earth since Cockroft and Walton made their Nobel Prize-winning particle accelerator in 1932. Even worse, if the laws of nature where they ended up varied so greatly that the ship's systems didn't work, the crew physiology would be just as strongly affected since it operates on the same principles. They'd be dead with or without life support because their bodies just wouldn't work anymore. I guess we'll have to assume that Lucifer used his magic there without their knowledge as soon as they arrived. In short, 
the premise is deeply flawed, and I'm never a fan of magic in science fiction, even though the original series did it previously in Cat's Paw, one of my least favorite episodes. So this has a lot stacked against it, but I will give them credit for making Lucifer sympathetic in a Saturday morning cartoon in 1973 and actually getting it to air in America's Bible Belt. They got a lot of letters about it, but they got it on the air. So aside from that, I find largely the episode still falls flat. But who knows, maybe Roddenberry will finally be allowed to have the crew meet God, maybe in a movie. I guess we'll just have to see, but if it happens, it should be a good one. Well, definitely congratulations to Blaine. I didn't know if we could say anything until we got the content of that out, but very big congratulations for Blaine and his upcoming child, who may actually be yeah. born by the time this airs. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, he's, if she's in the third trimester as we're recording this, there's no doubt she'll be, the yeah. day people will be born before. We... <laughs> she's probably graduated by the time this airs. <laughs> <laughs> she, it'll be, we'll have a segment called What Does Blaine's Baby Say? Yeah. <laughs> The only problem with that is we did get feedback on a Listen to the Prophets on Twitter the other day, and I couldn't respond because I couldn't for the life of me remember what the person was referring to. <laughs> Never mind. Yes, congratulations, Blaine, on both the job and the impending child. Yes. All the best. Uh, and, and I don't for a second doubt that Blaine's science is accurate and that this episode is not Uh so I, I don't really have an issue with that, and we kind of hit on that a little bit over the course of the episode anyway. Uh, but just the same, I think, uh, you know, I think it's, it's I'm losing track of my own thought process here. I, I think the episode itself is less reliant on the science than it is just on the let's put them in this situation and justify it however we can. I don't think the episode turns on the science. I think it turns on the situation. Mm -hmm. It's more concept-based than science-based. Yeah, exactly. And that that's not to poo-poo his criticism of the science, because I think that is one of the reasons why I enjoy Blaine's emails so much, is because he can give it a, you know, a thoughtful <clears throat> look at the science that we don't have the background to do. Uh, we don't have the background, and I don't have the mental capacity. I was going to say, he's probably <laughs> smart. He's smarter than us, so we like that. Yeah, but even even though we're not, uh, the science in this did give me a headache, because I was just, the first five minutes, I was just, really? And then you just go with it, because, you know, it's science fiction. I think, I think that's a lot of Star Trek, quite frankly. I, I don't think... I, I don't think you can ever get too hung up on this, the accuracy of the science when they're predict, you know, when they when they're going into science that's doesn't exist. Currently. Oh yeah, the warp drive in and of itself is not is not based on sound scientific principles. Wouldn't work in real world. Yeah, and but you know, I I always kind of go with the the thought process that you do want to. You do want to have it as closely aligned to what we already know, where you could think, well, if we learn more, this could be possible. You, you know, that that's a plus if you can do that. But I don't... I, I think to, to handcuff, you know, non-scientists, story writers, with, you know, you need to have everything to be truly plausible from a scientific perspective when, you know, when looked at under a microscope, I, I think that's asking too much of them, frankly. Yeah. And Star Trek's but, never done anything as dumb as having windows that open on Moonbase Alpha. <laughs> How do you let the fresh I, I air <laughs> That's an exceptionally good point, Dave. I had not considered that. I retract that that was a mistake. I think there should be somebody of, you know, vast scientific knowledge on payroll, though, who should review the scripts and say, well, you might want to change this, you might want to change that. Uh, but I don't. I don't know if they did that or not, honestly, because they probably may have not, had that probably advice. Probably not on they the might... animated series. No. Probably. I don't even know if they did it on the live action series. I don't think on the but original I, I would... or next. I think they did on next gen to some extent. Yeah, next gen had Naren Shankar, didn't it? Yeah. But I think even then there may have been an extent where they where they got that criticism of yeah you know this really won't work and said yeah we're going to go with it anyway. Yeah, normally because the script was already in development <laughs> and they didn't have time to do another one. <laughs> We're just going to have to go with it. We've plotted out the next 37 episodes where we're flying to the moon. <laughs> or or they're, they're, you know, they're giving them 
you know, some sort of scientific criticism of what is going to be a bottle episode. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to listen to you because otherwise we'd have to spend some of our budget money. So I, I think there's, there's, there's always the potential for that kind of thing. But anyway, uh, science aside, I still enjoyed the, just, you know, the thoughtfulness of this episode. And, you know, it clearly <laughs> more so than you guys based on our rating. <laughs> No, it was, I mean, I, again, mine was more from a technical standpoint. Conceptually, yeah. it was good. I just don't think it had enough room to explore what they were trying to explore. Yeah, and also 2.5 out of 5 is a perfectly acceptable, this is okay, this is enjoyable. You know, let's not go down that rabbit hole of if it's not 5 or it's not 1, and that's it. You know, yeah. 2.5 is perfectly acceptable. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand. But this is, you know... This 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 may stand out as being the anti uh, move along home. <laughs> I'll have a rain. because I came in so high compared to you. <laughs> you know, I look, the thing I love about that is I spent the entire episode defending that one and still only gave it like one and a half. <laughs> but that still blew away Sean and my. Uh, yes, it did. Ratings of I think I think we gave it like half. Yeah, and and, and that half was based on the fact that the cast showed up. <laughs> yeah, because they were contractually obligated to. You know, they, they could have. They, 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 that episode, I, I thought the script was so bad they could have replaced all the actors with you know lookalikes. <laughs> it would have been like that, Star Trek. Continues. I would watch yeah. a Jerry Anderson marionette episode of Star Trek. I would watch the shit out of that show. Because then we're only one step away from a Muppet stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they did that. Oh, come on, pigs oh, in oh. space. Yes, they did. Yeah, they did do pigs in space. That's true. Swine <laughs> track. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I guess that's it for this time. What are we looking at? Next time. Next time, an all-new episode of Toon Track. Once upon a planet, which sounds very furry taily. So I would be very disappointed if we don't see a giant rabbit show up or an Alice in Wonderland. And, and, and you have to backtrack the rabbit. I'll go and, after the girl. And McCoy <laughs> come come back come out at the end with a girl on each arm. Lucky devil. God I love Shirley. And Yoman Tanya Barrows. <sighs> <sighs> anyway. I'll be in my bunk. Trek is based upon Star Trek, created by Gene Roddenberry, and is a Tutu Freaks presentation. It's hosted by Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, Dave Pascarella, Bill Robinson, and produced and guest-hosted on occasion by J. David Wheaton. All music and clips are copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a review show, and as such, protected under for use. Yeah, let's go with that. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Toon Trek. Wait, you're getting married? Wait a minute, I, did, I thought you were going to somebody else's wedding. I That's awesome. Oh, no, he's getting married. Dave well, is going, I can't do Dave is going to someone else's wedding. <laughs> because I'm celebrating Independence Day. Wait, what? On July 3rd. Yeah, I'm going to the classic American car show. Woot, woot. Independence from what? It's a classic American car show. It's just a joke, dude. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know it was a joke. <laughs> it's early. That's, that's how my jokes normally go. Let's be you brutally wanna... honest. <laughs>